Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey guys, welcome to the Past Gas Podcast. If you like Past Gas, please help us grow by giving us a good rating and a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. It'll really help us out, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. All right, now for the show. The day that Felix Vankel had dreamt of since he was 17 years old had finally arrived. Now in his 60s, he was about to witness the zenith of his life's work. An engine that he devised when he was a teen was going in a production car. This engine was unlike any other in automotive history and would go on to attract a cult following all its own. It was not powered by conventional pistons and valve trains. Vankel's engine relied on spinning triangles. This is the underrated, underreported story of the invention and struggles of the Venkel rotary engine. Yeah, hello everyone. Welcome back to Pass Gas. Uh, I am one of your hosts, uh, Nolan Sykes. With me, as always, is uh, James Pumphrey. Howdy! More power, baby! Woohoo! <laughs> Get the lasso and get them buff horses into the barn. Woohoo! More power, baby lightning. And Joe Weber. Uh, fired up, Wink Wink Nation. Hark, hark. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, it is a Friday as we're recording this. Uh, I've had a... In interesting week, I think. Well, maybe not that interesting because I've been in my apartment the whole time. But you know, the the highs and lows of YouTube video production is kind of a a wavelength this week, man. It was it was interesting for me anyway. Uh, I think everything is interesting when it's put next to the <laughs> what very. Is, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I think everything is interesting. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you're in your apartment, I've, this is week, what, 15 or 16 now of yeah, quarantine? like four months. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. Um, that's insane. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the baseline has been set very low for, the very, for a very long time now. So, any mundane thing is now interesting. 
Yeah, so as I said in the intro, today we are talking about the rotary engine, a very interesting design, uh, not very widely adopted across the, the automotive industry uh, for several reasons, which we will uh, go over. This is a two-part series. Today we will be focusing on the, the inventor of the uh, Wankel rotary design, as it's known, Mr. Felix Wankel, uh, and then next episode we'll talk about more... Um, more it, it's it's spread across the industry and which manufacturers used it we will be talking about mazda next episode as well but this one will mostly focus on wankel felix wankel and a company called nsu um so yeah are you are, do you guys want to get into it are you guys ready everything is interesting <laughs> innovation <laughs> in any industry is hard the Tucker 48 saw a complete failure when it tried to push too many innovative features in 1948. John DeLorean grew his career through innovation only for it to be torn down and fade into relative obscurity if it wasn't for the DeLorean's use in an iconic film. Bringing new technology brings an ungodly amount of risk, but sometimes that risk pays off even if it doesn't always appear that way. For those of you that don't already know, the Wankel rotary engine is an internal combustion engine that uses a spinning triangle instead of pistons to make power. The radically different design of the engine creates a noise and performance like any other. But to really talk about the rotary engine, we first need to talk about the man who invented it, the subject of today's podcast, Felix Wankel. He's German. <laughs> nice pronunciation, dude. Thank you. W's are V's in German, or they're pronounced like yeah. that. But then Volkswagen, what is the V? It's called Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Look, Look, I just like cars. I don't know how to pronounce anything, okay? In German, Dear V's listener. are pronounced like L's, so it's Volkswagen. <laughs> I buy it. Born on August 13th, 1902 in modern-day southwestern Germany in a town called uh, Lair, that's, or Lahr, L-A-H-R, Lahr, Felix Winkel was an extraordinarily bright kid. At a young age, he proved to have a great aptitude for mechanical imagination, but he didn't have the education to back up his passion. Um, just real quick note. As we'll see, he he chose to forego education. Vankel actually came from a fairly, uh, not well off, but you know, they did well. At the age of 17, he proudly informed his friends of a dream he had. Vankel had dreamt of an engine that runs with no pistons. It was, quote, a new type of engine, half turbine, half reciprocating. It is my invention. While his dreams were big, his education left a lot to be desired. The classes he had the least success in were mathematics and especially physics. A typical diary entry for him read, oh, James, you want to give this a good German accent here? Friday the 13th. Today I received yet another F in arithmetic. <laughs> also, this man with a hockey mask and a chainsaw keeps chasing me around my summer camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, Felix left high school without finishing his degree, basically throwing any opportunity of pursuing higher education and creating his own engine out the window at the time. So instead of creating his own engine, he opened a machine shop in his backyard. Unfortunately, Wankel dove into business during a pretty crummy time in German history. Uh, the greatest conflict the world had ever seen had only ended two years earlier in 1918 and had directly led to the death of over 20 million civilians and soldiers and left Germany in ruins. I'm, of course, talking about World War I. Felix's father would be one of the war's casualties, representing a small fraction of the 15% of German men who had perished in World War I. On top 15%, by the way. Crazy number. 20 million people, 20 million civilians and soldiers. Like I, uh, when I was looking up World War One stats yesterday, like that just really kind of washed over me how huge that is. That's an enormous amount of people on one continent. There's a problem when numbers get so big that they kind of lose meaning. Mm -hmm. 
But then when you think about it, you keep thinking about it, it comes back around again and just kind of like hits you how many people that is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 15% of German men had died at that time. On top of that, the Treaty of Versailles both blamed Germany for starting the war and ruled that the nation would have to pay back 132 billion gold marks in reparations, which is about $269 billion today. Nice. This had a devastating effect on the German economy after World War I. Quote, Germany had suspended the gold standard and financed the war by borrowing. Reparations further strained the economic system and the Weimar Republic printed money as the mark's value tumbled. Hyperinflation soon rocked Germany. By November 1923, 42 billion marks were worth the equivalent of one American cent. What? Yeah. So how do you buy stuff? You you don't. The economy has just completely collapsed. That's where you see those pictures of like the German kids pushing wheelbarrows around full of money because it's worthless. Because they were print. They were just like, okay, we'll just got to print all this money so we can pay people back or pay the reparations. But you know, when you you know, that's how inflation works. Like it loses value because there's more of it. Yeah, but you Not get richer if you print more money, right? No, if you no, print Joe, your own money, I just told you. Then you become a millionaire. No, that's not how it works, Joe. I make my own money. That's I just watched a master class. <laughs> I just watched a <laughs> Tony. I just watched Tony Hawk's master class, and that's what he said. Because once Did I learned how to kickflip, I was just basically printing money. Next thing I know, I'm rich <laughs> AF. I think it was really not a great master class. <laughs> Also, yeah, let's get into that for a sec because I saw I had a commercial for that master class yesterday. Uh, but like, how the how is a video gonna translate like to me getting better at skating? It's just not like it's tips and tricks, tips to do tricks. I know, tricks. but Listen, skating you, like I, I, I'm going through ticks. this with BMX as well. Like you, videos can only do so much to teach you. Like well, you yeah. really have to be out there every day practicing. Yeah. And figuring it out for yourself. You some- but biking is differently. Bike, biking, biking. You're just like in one position, kind of, and you're like, you're sure your weight transfers and stuff. But with a skateboard, it's a different foot position for every trick. So that I know. could That's be what taught. I'm saying. That can be taught. Oh, well, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, no. BMX has. A, there's a lot of positioning like that as well, Joe. You just get yourself an Apple Watch. You watch the Tony Hawk. You learn how to kickflip. <laughs> bing, bang, boom. Use the Birdman now. Then right. you're rich. Then you're rich. All right, yeah. So anyway, with the German economy in turmoil and institutions failing, there was a demand for someone to write the ship. The National Socialist Party, the NSDAP, better known as the Nazi Party, was founded by Anton Drexler in 1920, one year before Vankel left school without completing his degree. At that time, the best way into a formal career in engineering was through academia. But since Felix had dropped out, that wasn't very likely. So Felix looked for other ways to get his engineering prowess some attention. And like many other Germans at this time, he fell victim to the seductive pull of the country's latest authoritarian movement. In 1922, Wankel joined the Nazi party. The Nazis were on the fringe of German politics at their founding, but it wouldn't be long until they were in power and put their sadistic policies into practice. Throughout all of this, Felix never forgot about the pistonless engine he imagined when he was 17, and he was finally going to make it happen. He patented the design in 1929. In 1932, Felix ran out of money and moved back home to his mom in his hometown of Lahar. His mother was from... <laughs> His mother was from an affluent family and helped bankroll a new shop space behind the house. Here, Felix would design his first automobile, the Devil Beetle. Developed with the help of his <laughs> colleagues, Wankel's car was a three-wheeled streamliner design. Not going to lie. If- Why is colleagues in quotes? Does he have... That's how they were like, described. Colleagues. Does he have little like l- like leather guys that come out of... Uh, like a devil hole, and they come and do stuff for him. It was the raccoon. These are my colleagues. Yes. It was a raccoon and a bunny that lived in his mom's backyard, and he called him his colleagues. My colleagues, mom. He was such a dork. Felix, your colleagues are eating all my carrots. <laughs> um, 
This design... Mom, they're not my friends. They're my colleagues. <laughs> Why would they be my friends? They're wearing little leather jackets, Mom. Not they all have pocket protectors. <laughs> We're at work, Mom. <laughs> Your friends at work are called colleagues. God, Mom. I'm a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was never born in law. Isn't it funny? It's just always like these loser people who think they're better than everybody. <laughs> the first engine he and his colleagues put under the hood was a one-cylinder lemon, which barely made enough juice to get the thing moving. So to their credit, they designed their own two-cylinder mill, pushing seven horsepower, enough to push the Devil Beetle to a respectable 50 miles per hour, although I assume it took a while to get there. I think you'd really like the way it looks, James. <laughs> oh, yeah, imagine, that looks like a devil beetle. Imagine going 50 miles per hour in that thing. Hoob, hoob call Ben Mortar Bices. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like something a, a skunk and a rabbit would design. Yeah. <laughs> you need to get some better colleagues, man. <laughs> Sometime during World War II, Felix once again moved from his mother's house in Lahr to a new place in Lake Constance near the Austrian border in South Germany. It can be safely assumed that his mom also paid for his new digs at another shop where Wankel would begin seriously researching the rotary engine. A conventional piston engine has four distinct phases, or strokes. During the intake stroke, the fuel-air mixture enters the cylinder through intake valves. During the compression stroke, that mixture is squeezed together by an upward motion of the piston until the ignition or power stroke, where that mix explodes with the help of a spark plug and pushes the piston down, which helps your car move. The final stroke is the exhaust stroke, where what's left of the fuel-air mixture is pushed out of the cylinder by the upward-moving piston as the cycle begins again. Wankel's rotary engine would operate with the same principles, but with a vastly different approach. Triangle-shaped components called rotors sit inside of an ovalish shaped housing. To better fit against the walls of the housing, the triangles have curved edges. They're called rouleau triangles. These rotors spin around an eccentric crankshaft. Each point of the rotor creates three sealed pockets of air against the inside edge of the housing. Because of the shape of the housing, those pockets get smaller or larger depending on where the rotor is. As the space expands, air and fuel get sucked in through an intake port. Then, as the rotor moves further along, it compresses the mixture. On the side of the housing opposite the intake and exhaust ports live the spark plugs, delivering spark and combustion. After ignition, that explodey pocket of air gets pushed around to the exhaust port. For every three turns of the crankshaft, the rotor makes one complete circuit around the inside of the housing. There are only three moving parts inside of a rotary engine, which allows them to reach redline extremely quickly in comparison to conventional engines. What wasn't so quick, though, was Felix's ability to get the engine into production. I know that that was really confusing. Um, and if you want to know more and maybe have some visual aids, We've made a number of videos on our YouTube channel about um, rotaries. You should go check it out. It's, on, it's called Donut Media. Yep. Yeah, it would definitely help. Like, it's, it's like once you see a visual of how this is all working, uh, it makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah. So, while, so, so Felix had the design. He had that idea since he was 17. Like two decades have passed. Still hasn't gotten it into production, though. Uh, but at this shop, he's like, looking at drawings and like trying to figure out how this is going to work while Felix toiled in his lakeside shop throughout world war II, the quaint lifestyle came to an end when the allies seized his machine shop after defeating the Nazis in 1945. They actually dismantled his machine shop as well, uh -huh. which is crazy. In 1951, Vankel started working with German manufacturer NSU who had bought the license to use his engine in their cars because he had patented it back in 1932, I believe. Felix began working with the NSU engineers to refine his design and finally put the Winkle rotary engine into production. Being able to rev super quickly was awesome, but it wasn't without its drawbacks. Early prototypes were prone to extreme friction wear, especially where the point on the triangle met the housing wall. 
It also didn't help that Felix had neglected to include any oil passages for the engine. The Vankel rotary engine first hit public roads in 1967 with the NSU RO80. But before we get to that, who the heck is NSU? NSU Motorenwerk AG was founded in 1873 as a knitting machine manufacturer before what? it eventually expanded. What's a knitting right. machine? You know, like a sewing machine. I got to see one of these boys in action. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it, James, everything is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's less... Wait, hold on. Because right now it doesn't look like much of a machine, just like a helper. Whoa, well, it was no. the 1870s. Nope, it's a machine. Wow. <laughs> Dude, you get a knitting machine and some colleagues, and you're going to have a business <laughs> in no time. Yeah, let's get those colleagues going. Isn't it weird that uh, all these companies started, like car companies started out making something like really kind of like, very surprising like peugeot made pepper grinders what are some other ones yeah like you just did a wheelhouse on this uh yeah it's a lot of like uh airplane engines before but um i think i think just having access to like uh machining equipment mm -hmm. around the turn of the century you're like yeah i guess i could make a freaking engine block <laughs> like <Yeah>. um <laughs> i have the means to do it i'm gonna do it and cash in on this new trend and then it's like booming industry yeah back then cars were like fidget spinners like, <laughs> yeah like they were like yeah okay like you all make it for six months i mean it's not it's not bringing in that pepper grinder money but i guess i could make a peugeot car i think i'm gonna buy a peugeot pepper grinder they, they, i have they one and it's well. great yeah they're awesome yeah put some nutmeg it, in it there. works too well i i blew through a whole pepper grinder full of pepper in like a week <laughs> and i can't stop sneezing <laughs> me and my colleagues can't stop sneezing it is unfortunate that the fidget spinner became such a meme because i actually benefited from those very much i loved having one at my desk because uh, uh, i'm a fit no it's got a stigma it's got a stigma yeah, so they were known as a, a sewing machine manufacturer before NSU was known as a sewing machine no, manufacturer. A knitting machine. Knitting machines are different knitting than sewing machines. All right. Before I can they confirm. eventually I can okay. confirm. I just watched a video. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. Before they eventually expanded into uh the production of penny farthing style bicycles, you know, the big wheel in front, little wheel in the back. Makes it hard for ladies to ride it. Uh so yeah, they went from producing bikes to motorcycles, and by 1901, the very first NSU motorcycle rolled off the line. Very cool. They continued building motorcycles and cars for the next couple of years, including the first aluminum-bodied car, whoa, the 824 in 1923. Uh, not long after that, though, the company sold their automobile division to Fiat due to financial difficulties. The A24 sounds like when you don't properly name a file and you're just like, yeah, I guess here it is. And then someone's like, oh, I guess it's called the A24. Mm -hmm. 824, more like yeah. a date than anything. I'm gonna guess that it was probably extremely expensive to produce an aluminum bodied car, which is why they had those financial difficulties. So they didn't have any money left over to name it. <laughs> That's what you're Used saying. Used up our whole name man. budget on that aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you recall the Volkswagen Beetle episodes, multiple companies were trying to create their own version of the people's car around this time. In an effort to get back into the automobile market at an affordable price, NSU commissioned engineer Ferdinand Porsche to build the first NSU Type 32. While only three Type 32s were ever made, as NSU decided there was more money in motorcycles than in people's cars, you can actually see one of the original Type 32s in the Volkswagen Museum today. And if you look up the NSU Type 32, it looks suspiciously like the Tatra 97, which we also talked about in the uh, Volkswagen episode. And Ferdinand also had another car, which eventually turned into, into the Beetle. Everyone was loved ripping off the Tatra, which was, of course, the Czechoslovakian, or, or I, was it just... Yeah, Czechoslovakian company uh, for the Beetle. I just wanted to add that little jab in there because, you know, Tatra deserves some love for the that one. Type 32 looks like a Beetle if someone, like, scrunched its nose down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it looks, looks very, very, very similar. Throughout World War II, NSU was forced to change production from civilian motorcycles to the half-track motorcycle called the HK-101 used by the German Army. After the war, the company struggled with their automotive endeavors, so they stuck to what they knew, making motorcycles. And as we discussed in our Hells Angels series, there was a huge motorcycle boom in both the US and Europe as people needed affordable transportation that could get over the now destroyed roads. It just turned into like a one big motocross track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, I guess I'm a motocross guy now. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy McGrath was doing tabletops. Over yeah. intersections. This is when Mountain Dew was invented. <laughs> is that real? Yeah, because now that everyone had motorcycles <laughs> and everything was a dirt bike track, oh. water <laughs> just wasn't cutting it anymore. People were like, I don't uh, want an ale. I need a green beverage. <laughs> Do you know they did? They invented Mountain Dew to be a mixer for whiskey. Really? What? Yeah. Oh, mm, I yep. gotta try that. That sounds like some... That sounds like riot juice right there. <laughs> riot juice. I'm getting in a fight after drinking that. We can hire Maybe a consultant not. to get a, the, a better name later, but I say we get this going now. Well, let's just go ahead and find a taurine distributor. Yeah. Yeah. Let's find some bulls. Uh, let's. Uh, uh, you know what? That's actually a myth. Uh, taurine comes from bull fat, not bull semen. Gross. Either way, yuck. Yeah. So, so uh, like Monster isn't vegan? I don't think so. Really? Whoa. PSA. 
for all my extreme vegans out there, all my vegan bros who like to get down, Monster is not vegan. A vegan energy drink is just getting a good night's rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they always have their B12. Yeah, B12 oh, yeah. is tough to get. I'm pretty much vegan. It's also omega 3s tough to get. So I take a. I, I am not vegan, mm-hmm. not by choice, but because of my sporadic grocery shopping schedule that I keep, which mm-hmm. is like every other week and occasional trips to my corner bodega. Um, <laughs> I effectively haven't eaten red meat in like three months. Yeah. So I had a, I had a hamburger the other night. And it f***ed me up for like two days. Whoa. Like I, or not two days, but like I ate it. And then that night I woke up at like three in the morning. I felt like I was going to throw up. So I like sat in my bathroom, classic middle of the night bathroom sesh where you're just like in your boxers on your floor. <laughs> um, and you're kind of sweaty. <laughs> kind of sweaty, kind of delirious, feeling like you're going to throw up. Great mixture. And then the, re- the next day, this was like Wednesday, I think I was, I felt like garbage anyway there was that huge boom uh and going on in europe but people at nsu knew that the motorcycle boom wouldn't last and so they tried once more to enter the automotive market it wasn't until 1957 that their interest into the four-wheeled market returned and that year nsu released the prince p-r-i-n-z like freddie prince jr the Prince launched with the tagline, I'm going to mess this up. Uh, Can I try it? Yeah, go ahead. Fache Prince und du bist König. <laughs> Drive a Prince and you're a king is the translation. While they intended to compete with the VW Beetle and making an affordable people's car, one look at it and you knew it wouldn't be winning any awards at any speed. With a two-cylinder air-cooled engine making only 26 buff horses, the 62-mile-per-hour top speed meant the Autobahn was kind of a drag. Autobahn, more like (laughs) auto-boring. But it filled a pretty niche market at the time that needed filling. (laughs) The only competition to the Prince was the BMW 700. Though it was obvious to both companies that any competition against the Beetle was futile. The Beetle. Beetle. Oddly enough, though, this little four-seater coupe found a lot of success in life and continued production through 1973. People loved that little two-cylinder engine, and although noisy, it had great fuel economy and was surprisingly reliable and easy to maintain. Astronaut John Glenn would agree with that statement. I will explain. There is the space race, which resulted in the Apollo program, which saw the U.S. put the first man on the moon. And at the time, NASA really loved Corvettes, but you would never hear them say that out loud as NASA NASA prohibited astronauts from endorsing any product or company. GM decided that since they couldn't give Corvettes to the astronauts, they would just offer them at very exclusive and lucrative lease deals. Astronauts were given the opportunity to lease up to two Chevys per year, per year for a dollar each. 11 out of 12 of the original Mercury astronauts took GM up on the offer, and so did most of the Apollo astronauts. Uh, But while everyone enjoyed speeding around in their fancy sports cars, astronaut and future senator John Glenn decided to drive an NSU Prince instead. According to Glenn, he had a family to take care of, and that the money he saved on gas during his long commute, he could greatly uh, help pay for his kids' college tuition. So... That's Guys, crazy that's, that he's he's like an astronaut and he's like, he's, oh, I got to be economical with my <laughs> spending or else my kids can't go to college. That's smart finances, guys. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, strap me to this big log of fuel and shoot me into space. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, later on, we definitely have to talk about uh, the the. You know, the astronaut, we got to talk about the lunar rovers at some point, uh, because I would love to talk more about NASA and all that, because space is I went to NASA last, like maybe last year, maybe the year before. That was not last year, dude. That was like three years ago now. (laughs) (laughs) But I rode in a, uh, like a prototype Mars car. It was pretty cool. 
That's right. The we it would like the wheels would turn and it would crab walk. Yeah, that's so Whoa. sick. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah, you seen James. those those forklifts that have like cone wheels Mm-mm. and they can go oh, yeah. any direction? Oh, that's yeah, good. yeah. They're so tight. My local Lowe's has one of those. Oh, nice. <sighs> yeah, that is nice. So the Prince was a cool little slow car, but what it morphed into was an even cooler slow car. In 1964, NSU released the NSU Spider, the first car ever to have a rotary engine designed by none other than Felix Wenkel. All my colleagues died. (laughs) (laughs) All my colleagues have passed. Of old age, the life expectancy for a skunk in a turtle. (laughs) Turtles are pretty much. My only colleague left is the turtle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the rabbit and the, the skunk and the raccoon are all dead. The turtle will outlive me and carry on the the legacy of the Vankel rotary engine. <laughs> he will live to be 182 <laughs> years old. <laughs> we will send the rotary to Mars. I will bestow all the rights <laughs> for my engine to the turtle <laughs> and will live... <laughs> Well beyond my years. <laughs> the NSU Spider was basically the beta test for rotary engines, and few consumers were interested in dealing with the company trying to iron out the kinks. The biggest issue that plagued the rotary engine was the apex seals, graphite shims that maintained a sealer between the pointed triangular rotors to the chamber walls. NSU hoped they could get the seals to last at least 50,000 miles, but that was a pipe dream fortunately for consumers oh yeah burn it burn it fortunately for consumers burn it (laughs) fortunately for consumers and unfortunately for the company nsu replaced seals that failed prematurely under warranty since the car retailed at only three thousand dollars it quickly started costing more to uphold the warranty than the car was worth to prevent apex seal failure the red line was sent at six the red line was set at six thousand rpm though Apparently, the car wouldn't start running comfortably until eight or 9,000. The Spider could do 0 to 60 in 17.4 seconds, but that time could be cut to 14.5 seconds if you shifted at 8,000 RPM instead of 6,000 at the expense of your Apex seals. It's like using launch control in your, uh, in your R35 GTR, you know? You can only do it so many times uh, before your car needs a lot of servicing and it voids your warranty if you use it at all, right? Is that still the case? That was the case when the car first really? came out. Yeah. Because yeah. it puts so much stress on the uh, drivetrain of the car that they're like, well, you did this at your own volition. The Spider didn't exactly sell very well. The 50 horsepower rotary engine was an unproven novelty. And while it could be modified to make a little over 100 horsepowers, it still didn't have a wide enough appeal to be successful. 2,375 spiders were sold worldwide with only 215 of them reaching the U.S. market. But the company didn't... Who's buying spiders? I have them in my bathroom for free. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) They bite my eyes. (laughs) But the company didn't actually really plan for the spider to be a huge commercial success. They had hoped to gauge interest in rotary design as well as work out any flaws before really going all in on the design. Despite all the flaws of the Spider, NSU believed it could be fixed. In 1967, after spending all of their free time shadowboxing in a mirror and hyping themselves up by saying things like, BMW and Mercedes are nothing, you're NSU. Instead of refining their rotary design, NSU brought the world the NSU RO80, a car that is widely regarded as the most modern 50-year-old car you can buy. There are- it looks really good. It looks like it came out in like the early 80s. Really? Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's just like it's not like the greatest looking car, but like the fact that it came out in the late 60s and looks as modern as it does. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty modern looking. I'll give you that much. I'll give you that munch. The RO80 was powered by a 113 horsepower twin rotor engine and a pretty cool semi-automatic transmission. The vacuum operated clutch, a major innovation at the time, was actually activated by pressing the gear shifter knob. The body was sleek and aerodynamic, making it one of the most aerodynamic cars on the road at the time and oddly futuristic looking. Like we said, 
Holds up. Very modern Aged looking well. little guy. That's kind of like um, the new transmission that Hyundai just released, right? Mm. That it's like clutchless. Yeah. I haven't looked into that, but I saw the headline. Yeah, like most Americans, I didn't read the article either. I just got, I saw the headline and got angry. Yeah, and then I shared and then it. And then I shared on it. Day. And I shared it on my yeah. Instagram. <laughs> the RO80 was also front-wheel drive, which was a big deal in 1967. People loved this car for its super sleek design and smooth ride. A popular trend among reviewers was to praise even a single one of the advanced components from this car would make for a great experience, but having them all put together, it's simply amazing. It's like <laughs> ice cream is good. Sprinkles are good. Hot fudge is good. Whipped cream is good. The, the cherries is good, but you put them all together in a Sunday. Ooh, blissful. You get the brownie under there. Get out of town, Jack. That's a birthday party. Simply mouse watering. Simply mouse watering. I need to go to the Baskin Robbins or 31 (laughs) flavors, depending on what region you live in. It was a weird, very weird article. Or weird. (laughs) Oh, that was was verbatim. Yeah, that was verbatim. That was from the article. It was in quotes. From the okay. 1967 uh, <laughs> Motor Trend magazine. <laughs> the front-mounted inboard disc brakes reduced unsprung weight, making for an extra comfortable ride when combined with the complete McPherson strut suspension. Speaking of comfort, the one-liter twin-rotor engine ran unbelievably smoothly. While we all know and love the sound of the Mazda RX-7 rotary, this engine sounded completely different as it quietly moved through its rev range. It would be so tight to take one of these cars and then put a built like four rotor in it. Like Aaron's, yeah. like our buddy Aaron Parker's RX7 in here and just die instantly. God, I love the way these things sound. Sound like pigs. It was a pretty cool car. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. The RO80 was a pretty cool car, and the world loved it. The world loved it so much, in fact, that it was given the title as European Car of the Year in 1968. Pretty neat. Unfortunately, receiving the Car of the Year award wasn't enough to save NSU. The RO80 still shared many of the issues that limited the success of the NSU Spider a few years earlier. The most notable of those issues were those dang unreliable Apex seals. While the premature failure of Apex seals was somewhat fixed in the later model RO80, the early versions of the car could still barely push 30,000 miles on the engine with regular maintenance before an Apex seal needed replaced. An engine lasting only 15,000 miles before repair wasn't unheard of. A majority of the repairs... So yeah, you had the car for maybe like a year and a half and it already needs... A major uh, repair. I've only had my uh, car for a month and it needs major repairs. That thing's like 40 years old now, though. <laughs> yeah. Your car is 70. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, I will be coming over this weekend. I got the bracket finally for the generator. That's exciting. Uh, so that is exciting. My dad found it on eBay and I. 
finally have jacks and a jack stand so he can lift that pupper up nice. and take the wheels off and look at the brake system and all that. I ordered a whole grip of parts. Hopefully something shows up today so I can work on my car too. There yeah, I ordered a bunch of parts for my car and it was like pretty expensive, but none of them are fun. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that's like the least. Yeah, that's not fun. You already have fun parts on there. That's kind of the problem with your car is that it's already a project car. So it has mm -hmm. the coolest stuff. Yeah like coilovers and wheels and all that yeah now you have like super unsexy maintenance stuff that you yeah, gotta do i ordered four hundred dollars <laughs> worth of gaskets <laughs> oh, wow and then uh i ordered a, a whole uh hardware kit so i have like all the i'm trying to oh wow trying to develop a little bit of ocd like no none of my personality is like ocd at all i'm very like man whatever so I'm trying to like in my in my old age, I'm trying to become particular. So I ordered a bunch. I of think bolts. that car definitely cool. deserves to have that treatment because it's so funny watching that episode. If you guys haven't seen the episode of Money Pit, James took his car to the Money Pit house. Job went over it with a fine tuned comb, found a lot of issues. It's so funny though because there's still comments where like pe people are like James, dude, that thing is perfect. It's like no, it's not. Clearly, <laughs> it's not. Like you have to take the transmission out. <laughs> Yeah, like let's let's encourage James to actually to to make this thing truly nice because mm -hmm. uh, I think it really deserves it because that thing is really fun. Yeah, it just rattles a shit ton when you're driving it. It rattles less now. We we put some bolts in it, tighten some stuff. Oh, nice, nice, good. I wonder. I'm wondering how much my car. I don't think my car is gonna rattle mm -hmm. uh, as much as it's gonna like squeak. Your car. Your car is gonna sound like uh, a submarine that dove too deep. It's like <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, and then for some reason, one of my colleagues is gonna crush an egg in his hand to demonstrate pressure for the audience. Well, your um, that thing might have some colleagues living in anyway. it. Anyway, <laughs> it might. A lot of spiders, maybe. A majority of the repairs fell into NSU's lap under warranty, and replacing hundreds of engines quickly started eating away at any capital the company had left. The premature failures meant that owners would have to keep their cars in the shop more often than owners of conventional internal combustion engines. Combined with the fact that gas mileage honestly wasn't that great by European standards at the time, only getting about 13 to 20 miles per gallon, the RO80 wasn't exactly flying off the lot. Uh, by the way, 13 to 20 miles per gallon, that's about as much as my Mustang gets on a good week. So not much has changed. The car was so unreliable, in fact, that companies such as the Hurley Engineering Company in the UK supplied conversion kits that allowed people to swap their twin-rotor Vankel engine with a Ford Essex four-cylinder piston engine instead. The conversion was definitely nowhere near as comfortable as the rotary, but it does show how much the reliability of the rotary did impact the success of the RO80. Aside from the engine, the RO80 was still one of the most advanced luxury sedans on the road. By 1970, the apex seal issue was mostly resolved, but that didn't repair the reputation of NSU it had destroyed. NSU was a motorcycle company at heart. After their first attempt to enter the car market, failed in 1930, they believed they could find success with the Prins and ultimately with the RO80. Unfortunately, that was never going to be the case. The RO80, the car loved for its technical advancements, unique styling, and luxurious ride would ultimately be the car that killed the company. <laughs> the reliability of the engine permanently damaged the reputation of NSU among consumers, and by 1969, only two years after the car was first announced, it was obvious that NSU Motorwerkens was no longer financially viable. <laughs> in 1969, the company was purchased by the Volkswagen Group, merging the NSU with... <laughs> man, Volkswagen has been like buying people forever. Uh, <laughs> merging the NSU with Atio Union, the company in which Audi gets its four rings logo. Forming the company Audi NSU Auto Union AG. While NSU would never produce another new car under their name, the RO80 continued its production run for another eight years until coming to a close in April of 1977. Wow. 
In total, 37,398 R080s were produced in its 10-year production run. In 1985, the company's name was shortened to Audi AG, and the NSU badge was never used again. It's crazy, like, how everything's just connected. Like, Yeah. Everyone's dude. owned everyone at some yeah. point. Um, Every, dude, everybody is somebody's somebody is what I always say. Yep. You do say that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. To an annoying degree, some might say. Uh, for all intents and purposes, the rotary engine should have died alongside the RO80 as it wasn't exactly a success, but that didn't stop people from going crazy over the idea of a new kind of engine. The piston-driven internal combustion engine had been around for a little over 103 years at that point, and all of a sudden the public was being introduced to a brand new way to power a car? The amount of public interest given... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> The amount of public interest uh -huh. given to the rotary was unbelievable. After the initial release of the NSU Spider, the rotary-powered sports coupe, almost every car manufacturer rushed to NSU's front door in order to license the rotary engine design for their own car. Even GM tried their hand in making rotary-powered sports cars, which would have honestly been pretty sick. Uh, yeah, they were, there was plans to make a rotary uh, Corvette at some point. Whoa. Uh, basically, if a car had wheels, some company was trying to put a rotary in it. That's not the one that Zora, Zora Arkov Duntov uh, was designing, right? It was. It was going to be a mid-engine rotary-powered Corvette. That would have made uh, the world a whole lot different than it is now. Yeah, it probably would have yeah. been really <laughs> steep. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, pro I don't think it would have been I think it would have been like, wow, remember that time they made a mid-engine Corvette with a rotary? That was kind of weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they, I think the C8, if that had happened, the C8 probably would have been pushed back another like 10 years. Oh, for sure. They'd be At like, least wow, if that they would have really ever bad done that last yeah. time. They'd be like, no, we tried it. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But it's here now, the C8. And uh, James, did you get to drive it when we had one? Uh, I drove it for, uh, I ran some errands in it. Nice. It's such a good car. It's so cool. I'm not like yeah. a good enough driver for it. Yeah. Like I could feel that I was the one holding it back. Did you, you get know? a lot of looks on the crest? I've never had so many people look at a car that I've yeah. been I've, like I've heard, everyone throws you the, the thumbs up. Yeah. When you're in the a seat. bus driver yep. complimented me. That's awesome. Yeah. And bus drivers see a lot of cars every day. Yeah. You know how hard those guys are to please. <laughs> Do I ever, James? <laughs> Lucky for us, one of the earliest adopters outside of NSU was none other than the Mazda Motor Corporation. In the early Here we 19 go. Here we go. All right. Yeah. This is where we go. This is where we go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, boy. Mazda. You know what car they made? Mazda was <laughs> called, uh, at the time in the early 60s, Mazda was still called Toyo Kogyo at the time. And they were facing what looked like an insurmountable challenge. They wanted to become more competitive in the car market. It was the belief of Suneji Matsuda, the company's president at the time, that the best way for the company to survive and outshine the competition was to sell new and innovative technology that would absolutely blow the competition out of the water. Matsuda, sorry, I don't know why I'm adding a soundtrack. Matsuda had been watching the development of the Vankel rotary engine at NSU. And they acquired a license to produce and develop their own variations of the design. Mazda assembled a team of 47 engineers to form the Rotary Engine Research Department. It's hard to find a better description of this team than the one on the Mazda website, so here's what they have to say about it. It's, quote, Kenichi Yamamoto, the head of the department, who were venturing into uncharted territory of rotary engine commercialization to that of the Shidrai Shichishi, the Shiji... <laughs> Shiju Shichishi... I'm not laughing at these words. I'm laughing at Nolan's pronunciation. <laughs> sorry. How the, how the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Compared to that of the Sij Yu Shi Chi Shi. Shuji. Shuji Shi Chi Shi. 
She joy. Shuji, she, she, she. She joy. I'm she, really she, trying to she. do this correctly. The Shiju. Wait, but it's spelled she, differently she. here. <laughs> I know. Shijui. No, it's. Shijui. No, it's it's, it's got to be Shiju. She joy. She, she, she. But then the next <laughs> sentence is spelled differently. Oh, I think that one's a typo. Shiju Shichi Shi is a legendary band of 47 samurai warriors who dedicated their lives with unparalleled loyalty and perseverance to the cause of avenging what they saw as the unjust death of their master. That's a really heavy comparison to make for a group of guys working on a rotary engine. That's all I'll say. Yeah, that's cool. I like I'm it. Sorry. Are you willing I, I to die for your apex seals? <laughs> Uh, I just want to apologize to any uh, uh, Japanese listeners for me uh, messing up everything just then. Have you ever seen those those TikTok videos where people do a bunch of translations and it's like the in Chinese, like the horse uh, drove the mother to blah, blah, blah. And it's like all these different words, but they're all just like ma different pronunciation of ma. So it's like oh, that's funny. Ma 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 ma. That's pretty good. That's a fun language. Never learned it, but it sounds interesting. Yamamoto told his engineers, "From now on, the rotary engine must be on your minds at all times, whether you are sleeping or awake." The re- oh my god! <laughs> the research team worked tirelessly to find a solution to the issue that doomed NSU to bankruptcy: the chatter marks. As the central rotor spins around the chamber, each corner of the triangle needs to form an airtight seal to ensure each portion of the engine cycle could occur without interference. Vibrations and impacts of the apex seals on the housing would cause abnormal wear within only a few hours of operation, creating chatter marks. The chatter marks were given the nickname the Devil's Nail Marks, as they would eventually lead to the destruction of the engine. Yamamoto's team tried any solution they could to mitigate the issue. They tried substituting the metal seals with materials such as gold and silver, and then even tried to use horse and cow bones as apex seal materials. After spending a considerable amount of time cramming horse chunks into their engine to see if it would fix the issue, an idea that totally seems reasonable when spoken out loud, they were at an impasse. It seemed as if there would never be a solution to mitigate chatter marks. Dooming the engine to last less than 30,000 miles before needing a complete replacement due to damage and wear. So, wow, they're having the same issues Mm -hmm. at Mazda than at NSU. Mm -hmm. Crazy. The rotary engine quickly became viewed as a waste of money within the company. While some people would be demoralized by the lack of support, the criticisms of the program only made the Samurai 47 work harder at finding a goal. The uncertainty of the project is what kept them moving. It wasn't until 1963 that the first major breakthrough was made. Since vibrations were causing the damage, an engineer proposed modifying the shape of the apex seal, which in turn would modify the frequency characteristics. Well, there you go, genius. The frequency characteristics the whole time, man. (laughs) <laughs> the new shape of the apex seal would be known as a quote cross hollow design they drilled horizontal and vertical holes throughout the seal in a grid pattern to change the frequency dynamics of the piece to the team's surprise the chatter marks completely disappeared after testing the new seal design now all they needed was a car to put it in mazda revealed a prototype of the mazda cosmo at the 1964 Tokyo Motor Show, the same year that NSU released its rotary-powered two-door, the Spider, The Cosmo wouldn't enter production for another three years, finally gracing the showroom floor in 1967. The name Cosmo was chosen to reflect the global fascination in the space race and to compare their forward-thinking innovation with and rotary engine to that of man's journey into space. Much like the space race, Advancing their rotary technology was going to be a long and expensive road, but it would cement Mazda's name in the history books as one of the most prominent companies in the world. And that's where we'll pick up the story on next week's episode of Past Gas. That's right. We're going to talk about Mazda. We're going to talk about Rolls-Royce. We're going to talk about Mercedes, all these different companies. Now that the rotary cat is out of the, out of the apex seal bag, uh, 
people are going to try some weird stuff. All right, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pass Gas. I want to thank our producer, Kanan, yeah, this week. I always, to, I always forget Kanan. to thank Kanan. Oh, Kanan. Kanan. We love Kanan. Love uh, Kanan. You don't see him on camera. Kanan, how about you add yourself a little picture uh, into the video so people can I see your know, face? I don't know, man. I think uh, we might uh, get... We only have a P.O. box now. I think we might get too many love letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, uh... Thank you for listening to Pass Gas, as always. Uh, if you've never listened to our, or if you've never seen our videos on YouTube, we're at Donut Media on YouTube. You can find us there. Uh, follow James on all social media at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G Weber. And follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Um, tell someone about our podcast. If you like this podcast and you have a buddy who, who you think would like the show, uh, please let them know. Uh, Only Zillennials, please. <laughs> all right. Later. All right. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.